morning. Raise your hand if you were one that woke up in a panic and thought, maybe my clock didn't change. That was me. I had to Google it. What's the time in Kansas today? So I just had to double and triple make sure that I was on time for church and not terribly late. Uh, if you'd open up your bulletins and look at our announcements for today, first of all, you'll see this wonderful little flyer uh, that's in uh, your bulletin. It's a donate blood drive at the high school. Uh, if you want more information about that, we'll have some in the time to come, uh, but there's some in, right there on the little pamphlet. Uh, point number one, if you have your attendance cards, if you weren't here for Life Group, which it was a wonderful time this morning, uh, you can fill out your attendance card and either drop it in your plate, or if you have a life group leader, go ahead and find them, and they'd love to take your card from you. Uh, tonight, we will have evening services. It'll be at 6 p.m., so that'll be a good time. Uh, if you want to join a life group, or if you're interested, you can talk to myself or uh, Pastor Denise, and we'll let you uh, help you find a life group that you will fit well into. Uh, Young at Heart, we're going to meet on March the 17th. Uh, this coming week, and we will be going to Sirloin Stockade in Ottawa, which will be awesome. I love going to Sirloin Stockade, man. I love the little sweet rolls. Ooh, it's good. So if you want to come on out, that'd be a really good time down there in Ottawa. If you want to meet at the restaurant, we'll meet there at 1, or we'll meet here at 1230. Uh, there will be a CPR class coming up very soon on uh, April the 17th and the 24th, so if you're interested in that, uh, there is limited space available, so please talk to myself or to Dan, and we'll get you some more information, and we'll get you signed up for that really quickly. Uh, Easter Sunday is on March the 27th, and that will be at 10.30 a.m. Uh, we will not have potluck, and we will not have an evening service so that you can celebrate uh, Easter with your family. And uh, as normal, we will have our Wednesday night uh, service at 7 p.m. Uh, and so Dan's going to come and give us some more, uh, sing another song. <laughs> We have on Wednesday nights a, a, a kids' class. It's called Patch the Pirate. It is put out by Ron Hamilton. And we have quite a few young ladies and young men up here. They're going to come at this time for the Patch the Pirate group. They're going to uh, do a skit and sing at least one song. One song. One song this morning. What in the world are you doing? Do you need help? We're trying to control ourselves. I'm working very hard to control my feelings. And I'm working on controlling my appetite, can't you tell? Wow, that sure looks like hard work. It certainly is. It takes all of our willpower and concentration. If we just stop trying for just one second, we'll completely lose it. I'll explode like a volcano. I'll eat everything in sight. It's great that you all are working so hard. Good job. Thanks, but step back. I, I'm losing my grip. I'm not surprised. Haven't you learned by now that the job of controlling yourself is just too big for you to do alone? It is. That's right. Remember what we've learned this month in Patch Club? Only with the help of the Holy Spirit will we be able to control ourselves for God's glory. You mean I can just let it all go? Not exactly. You should work hard to make good choices, but temperance is a fruit of the Spirit. God will give you to give you the power to do what is right. Woo, that sure feels better that I'm not in this alone. We can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Proverbs 16.32 He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And 
If you would take your Bibles this morning, we will read through the verses, the uh, scriptures that the pastor will be covering here in just a few moments. Matthew chapter 25, if you would turn over there. If you were in a life group this morning, you probably read these verses. I know there are several that uh, have come in late, not late, come in on time, but uh, we're not in a life group. The, par- the uh, parable of the, uh, of, the, of the test of the talents, the test of the servants, is what we're covering this morning. Matthew chapter 25, we'll begin at verse number 14, we'll read through verse number 30, and then just before the pastor comes, we'll have Joel and Bethany come and sing for us. Matthew 25, verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained another two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth, and laid his Lord's money, and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time the Lord of these servants cometh, and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. 
enter thou into the joy of the of thy Lord. Verse number 22. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I know thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said to him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I have sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money into the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he that has abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant unto the outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'd like to ask Joel and Beth to come up this time, please, and sing for us. Then the pastor. We're going to sing a song. It's called The Steps of a Good Man. And it's based off of uh, Psalms chapter number 37, 23 through 24. It says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hands.
Good to see you two up there singing, and you did a pretty good job for a birthday boy today. You did really good. Today's his birthday, so he's going, huh? It is? <laughs> yes, it is. All right. Good morning, everybody. It's awful good to see you today in the Lord's house, and uh, thankful to have every one of you here today, and I pray the Lord will bless you. I hope that you had a good time in your uh your groups uh, this morning and had a little bit of fellowship and uh, had some time together. So we pray the Lord would bless our day and the word of God today. Uh, Matthew 25 is our passage. And so would you turn over there uh, if you would at this time. I do want to be praying for, uh, I really appreciate Brad Canterbury. He's a good man. Uh, Wednesday nights he's teaching Growing in Grace and uh, just doing a fantastic job. But he is sick as all get out today. Uh, I think uh, pneumonia and uh, the flu and he's got a fever and just got all of it. And uh, I'm telling you, a lot of people are going through it. So uh, I'm going to pray for Brad today. And I love him. He's my brother in Christ. And and uh, uh, also so good to have uh, Gene or Jeff back with us today. And amen. He came in the group today, said, my name is uh, Jeff. And uh his family has gone through it and uh, is still got a few of the kids are still sick. So uh, Gene is, of course, uh, watching over them today. So uh, we'll pray for your family again this week and uh, ask the Lord to bless there, too. So um, anyway, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, this is the day the Lord has uh, made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all your blessings. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless this service today. I'm very thankful, Lord, to have the people that are here today, and, and there are some folks that have uh, stepped up and volunteered for bulletins and nursery workers and, and teachers today. I just thank you so much for them, and uh, we have some uh, folks that are in leadership for our small groups and uh, the growth groups, and thank you, Lord, for them uh, volunteering for that as well. We appreciate them so much today. And I'm thankful, Lord, that uh, for all the people whose heart is prepared uh, for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, speak to us today, as I believe you have a message for us today. And we ask, Lord, that you would bless it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, we do want to begin today with uh, Matthew chapter 25. And uh, many of you have read through that as uh, Dan has uh, read a portion of that uh, scripture. It is known in its totality as the parable of the ten talents. And a pretty well-known passage of Scripture. And he starts off and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like. This is what it's like. And again, I love the teaching of Christ. I love red letters in my Bible. Because I know this is where the Son of God is saying something. And then when he prefaces what he's about to say by saying, Guys, heaven is like this. He's ripping heaven back. And he's saying, Hey, uh, look, looky here. And uh, so uh, I'm very, very thankful for that, too, because he's kind of telling us what's going to happen uh, and how it truly is. So uh, what a blessing 
that this particular passage is. So we're very thankful for it to be able to go through that today. Um, oh, and I almost forgot to mention today also, I was just kind of looking out. Uh, last week, I appreciate all of you standing up, turning around to the camera, and waving and saying hello to Gail. And there's no need to do that this week because Gail is back with us. Amen? Man, amen. All right. He is on the mend and uh, back in the saddle today and uh, resuming his spot. So good to have you today, Gail. We love you, and uh, you've come a long way. And uh, Cheryl, God bless you for standing right by him and uh, helping all the way as well. So Lord bless you. All right, back to the ten talents. Yes. Oh, you do? Okay. <laughs> they snuck away. All right. Very good. All right. Well, um, I read a book a long time ago by uh, Don Piper called 90 Minutes in Heaven. If you haven't read it, I, I recommend it. I think it's very interesting. Um, <clears throat> you know, only God knows if, uh, you know, everything in there is true. I believe it is. He's a pastor and he gives an illustration of getting into a car accident uh, where for 90 minutes he was pronounced dead, had a sheet over him as the paramedics were working on others, and uh, a preacher that happened to be attending the same conference he had attended. And then uh, if you ever go to a preacher's convention or a conference, uh, the uh, it's, you know, everything is great, but as soon as it lets out, all the preachers are like peeling out and going back to the churches because they got things to do. And uh, that's what happened at this particular conference where they were at. And uh, Don Piper was speeding back to uh, his responsibilities at his church. And a pastor friend of his was behind him a few miles and uh, happened to uh, get stopped in traffic and uh, said, what in the world's going on? It's about a mile of uh, half a mile, maybe, of, of cars lined up. And somebody said there was a wreck. And so uh, being a pastor, he pulled over to the side and he said, I'm going to walk up there and see if there's anything I can do. And so he walked up and uh, he saw the uh, all of the cars that were wrecked on one side. And then there was one car on this side and it had a big tarp over it. And he said, uh, I'm a pastor. Can I pray with anybody? And he said, uh, sure, there's some people over here that would, that'd be good. And he said, well, what about this over here? And he says, uh, the, that one's deceased. And he said he felt this urging from the Lord to go over to that one anyway. And so he walks over to uh, this mangled mess, and he can't even get into the driver's side. He has to approach from, if you've read the story, you got, I can tell who's read the story because they're all going, yep, yep, yep. Uh, he had to actually crawl through the car from the back window, and he felt this urging of the Lord to do so, and he was able to reach forward and put his hand upon the shoulder of his pastor friend. And at that moment, he didn't even know that this was a friend of his. And so he put his hand on the shoulder, and he began praying for this individual, and uh, and for some reason began to sing uh, a particular song, Amazing Grace, or something of that nature. And as he was praying for this, uh, this deceased person, the deceased person started singing with him. And uh, this was about 90 minutes after the accident. As soon as he, of course, as soon as he started singing with him, he released, walked out, and he says, get over here now because this guy's alive. And uh, so anyway, that is the, that's the beginning of uh, 90 Minutes in Heaven, and uh, I bawled all the way through the book. I'm telling you, uh, it's not just the accident, but it's the recovery. There's so many beautiful uh, lessons in this, but uh, Don Piper says 
he says that for 90 minutes, he had the opportunity to go to heaven. And uh, the first thing he saw was his family, his friends, uh, and this is, uh, and it was a beautiful, wonderful moment. And uh, he, re- he remembers it very vividly. And uh, so, you know, I have, uh, you know, uh, I have no reason to doubt that, but uh, what is going to happen the moment that we see God? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, the moment that you get to heaven, when you die, the, body said, the Bible says to be absent from the uh, body is to be present with the Lord, right? And so, um, you know, what, what happens there? Do we see family? Do we see friends immediately? Do we float around for a little while until, the, until everybody's dead and then, and then uh, we all uh, line up for... Uh, the judgment. Uh, what, what exactly happens? Are we able to experience the the beauty and the excitement and the joy of heaven? Uh, you know, I believe so. But here's one thing I do know. Okay, I do know this much: is that eventually, sometime, and it may be immediate, it may be eventually. I'm not sure. But one thing I do know is that eventually, uh, sometime after we die, we will meet. The Lord. We will stand before the Lord one on one, and uh, sometime after we die, and we, that we meet the Lord, we will give an account of our life before the Lord, and uh, the question of salvation: Do you have Christ as your Savior? Will be addressed. Have you believed in my Son for salvation? That will be addressed. Uh, do you have the blood of my Son? Posted on the doorposts of your heart. Have you asked him for forgiveness? Has he, through the forgiving nature and the forgiving power of the blood, forgiven you of your sins? Have you repented and uh, confessed your sins? He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It is through the blood that we find forgiveness of sins. And I do know that these are the type of things that will be addressed one on one with you and the Lord. There will be a uh, an accounting given of your life. And um, getting down to our passage today of the Ten Talents, I believe that also there will be an explanation, there will be an addressing of what we did with the gifts that God has promised, has given to us uh, to promote the kingdom of God. What did we do with the opportunities, the abilities, the gifts that God gave to us. And one of the reasons why uh, we believe these things, that this moment will occur eventually in heaven, is because of our Matthew 25 passage, where he says, the kingdom of heaven is like an unto. This is what it's like. It is, uh, and so we have uh, a number of characters here, don't we? We have, uh, the main character is the master, okay? So we have a master that's about to go on a long trip. This is our story, right? He's about to go on a long trip. He gathers together all of his servants, right? And uh, he uh, says, I'm about to go on a long trip. I want to give you some talents. Uh, the talents that are spoken of here are large uh, sums of money. And uh, so these are the responsibilities. I'm going to give these talents to you. So what did he do? What did, what, what did he do? He gave one uh, five talents, another two talents, another one talent, right? And so, uh, uh, and then we find that the master leaves, and as soon as he gets over the horizon and the servants are all waving, you know, the master's gone. As soon as he's gone, now comes the moment of uh, a time where the servants have to make a decision. 
What am I going to do with my five talents? What am I going to do with my two talents? What am I going to do with my one talent? How, how do I start? What am I going to begin to invest that, that talent in? Uh, what am I going to do with this money? They could either begin start uh, working and investing that money so that it makes more. They could be foolish and waste the talents on foolish things. Or number three, they could do nothing with it, absolutely nothing with it, and then give that talent back to the master. And we know that this is uh, kind of what happens within the story. By the way, ha- has anybody ever given you anything at some time, you know, where it's maybe something even you didn't really want and they gave it to you? Uh, my mom had this uh, desire to give me stuff uh, as, as years go on. And uh, stuff that's a, a big prized possession for my mother uh, was not necessarily a prized possession for me. And, uh, you know, it, but I love my mother. And so I would happily take these things and then go, where am I going to put, you know, two dozen uh, ceramic birds? I don't know where we're going to put all these things, you know. Um, Denise uh, has a mother that uh, she has a bunch of ceramic dolls and uh, I don't know how many of these things we're going to get so sometimes we get these things and we love the person who's giving them to us uh, but we don't necessarily love the stuff like them so then my mom would give me some things and then I would take them and they'd be in a box and then kind of be in a hallway or they'd be in a maybe the basement I don't know someplace and um, and that was fine everything was kind of cool for a while then we'd have a birthday party over at my mom's house and she says, how are those birds doing? You know, did you find a place to put those? I bet you they're going to look really good. And then this uncomfortable feeling comes over you. Well, well, we're not 100% sure yet. We're, you know, we're going to get to that, you know, and you get this uncomfortable feeling about this. Well, this is similar maybe to what's going to happen because the, the master gave the talents and then there comes a point uh, this moment where he says, okay, what'd you do with those things, you know? And so if you didn't, if you chose not to do well, there was a very uncomfortable feeling that would have to come across you. If you did well and you had a beautiful place for those ceramic birds, then I could look at my mom and say, ah, we got them in the china cabinet. They look beautiful. We put some LED lights on them. In Man Alive, they just look great. So then all of a sudden the emotions are great. Uh, but uh, I've had both, actually, both those emotions uh, coming from me. But that's kind of what the, these servants were setting themselves up for, depending on what they did with the talents. Okay, so in our story, the parable, the day finally comes. After a long time, the master finally comes back. And I find it very interesting as he's teaching us this story that immediately it was, what'd you do with the talents? It just seems like as I read this parable, immediately there was a reckoning what did you do with the talents that I gave you? And so uh, it just seems like it happened pretty doggone soon after the master uh, comes. Here's what, I, here's what I learned from the parable is that it seems to be of top priority. When, when the master gave the servant something and he expected something from that, it was a top priority. So that was one of the first things that was asked after he returned. That's an interesting thing to note. And so uh, the servants uh, line up, the master's back, line up, and I'd like for you to line up uh, the guy who I gave five uh, talents to, you're first, you're first up to bat, gave you five talents a long time ago, I'm interested, what'd you do with it? 
He says, well, sir, I, um, <clears throat> I invested that, worked hard, and I'm uh, so thrilled to tell you today that as soon as you left, I began investing this thing, trying to work this thing out, and uh, I'm happy to tell you that those five talents have actually gained another five talents. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You did exactly what I wanted you to do. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. And then, of course, the guy with the two comes and similar story. I, your two gained another two. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter uh, into your rest. And then, the, of course, we know the guy that had given one talent dug a hole, threw the thing in there, and uh, stuck it in a hole and did nothing with it. And he just remembered where it was buried so that when the master came back, here's your stinking, uh, says that my version, your stinking talent uh, back to you. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you noticed it or not or if you felt it or not, but I sense a little bit of rebellion within his answer. I knew. Look at verse 24. Uh, did you see it? Then he which received the one talent said to him, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man. I know you're, you're tough, you're no-nonsense kind of guy, and you like to reap where you haven't sown, and I know that you like to gather where thou hast not strawed, and it just made me scared that I was going to lose the thing, and so uh, I was afraid. I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. Here's your, here's your talent back, you know? And so uh, I don't know if you sense a little bit of rebellion in there, but I do, and I think that it is rebellious. When the master was uh, good enough to give you a responsibility, to give you a talent, and then for you to do nothing with it, when you know that he expected you to do something with it and you did nothing, it is a form of rebellion. You can say that you were just scared that something bad was going to happen to the talent, but really it was rebellion that you didn't want to invest anything, any time, effort in doing something with that. And so for this last servant, of course, we know the answer from the master is different. And he says, you horrible, uh, look at verse number 26. His Lord said unto him, thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I have not sowed. You know that I gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to put at least, put my money to the exchangers, and then at thy coming I should receive my own with interest, usury, Right? And so uh, we realize here that the other servant, uh, the uh, master, was pretty uh, upset with, with this one. So, and this is the story. Now, I have a question for us all. Why did Jesus tell this story to, to the disciples? Why did he tell this story so that it would be recorded in uh, Luke and would be recorded in Matthew? Why did he tell this story so that it would be preserved so people 2,000 years later would hear this same story and be learning from that in the same uh, Holy Spirit in, in um, uh, a guided book. And um, why would he do such a thing? I don't think that he, uh, this was just supposed to be an interesting story. I think that he had a reason for uh, telling this particular story. He wanted to let the disciples know a couple of things. Number one, he said, I wanted to let the disciples know that I'm going away from you. I know we've been together three and a half years, but I'm about to go on a journey. Now, uh, if you were to look at the sister uh, passage, not in Matthew, but if you were to look at the sister passage of the story, and actually the book of Luke, it gives a little bit of that context. 
Because in Luke chapter 19 and verse number 11, it says that he began telling this parable to them because they thought, the disciples thought, that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. They thought that it was going to happen immediately. And he wanted to let them know, no, 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 no. I'm about to go on a long journey. I'm going to be gone for a long time. And you got some work to do while I'm gone. And so it was, why did he tell the story? It was to tell them that, hey, all of these things are not going to happen right away. And I'm going to give you some responsibility. Uh, there is a job that needs to be done. That's why he's telling them that. You want to be a follower of me? You want to be a disciple? You want to be a Christian? Uh, you want to be a, a, someone who stands in line as a follower of Jesus Christ, who receives the forgiveness of sins, who receives salvation freely given to uh, all of us? Great. Well, then also realize there's a job to be done and that you have a responsibility. And that applies to the disciples. And yes, even 2,000 years from now, from then, it applies to you and I even today. Why did he tell this story? Why was it preserved in the Gospels? Because he wants to let us know that yes, there is a time of separation, but there is also a job that needs to be done. Also, he wanted to let them know that there's actually a moment in their future that they would experience much like this story. There is an actual moment when we stand before the Lord, when they would stand before the Lord, they would give account uh, to God of the gifts that he gave to them. And I believe that this, this uh, scenario uh, will actually transpire, that we will actually have a conversation similar to this. Uh, there will be a conversation and a salvation will be addressed. Uh, there will be a conversation where forgiveness of sins is addressed and there will be a conversation as to the gifts that you were given personally, which is different for everybody, the gifts you were given, and what did you do with them? And so this is a poignant moment that he is preparing for us through this simple and uh, very clear uh, parable. And so we ask ourselves the question, well, why am I here today? We know why he told that to the disciples. Why does he tell us this as well? We are right now, ladies and gentlemen, in the moment of separation. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is not here uh, in a visible form anyway. Uh, we know that his spirit is here, definitely. Uh, and so God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son are not necessarily in visual. We do have communication with him through prayer and meditation and worship, reading the word of God, uh, but it is by faith. This is our time of separation uh, from the master. So now, just like it was the moment for the servants, that is decision time what am I going to do with the talents that you've given me? Uh, now is our separation moment, and now is our moment of decision. What am I going to do with the gifts that God has given to me? He gave me certain gifts, uh, talents, abilities, etc. cetera, uh, and what am I going to do with these things? And so uh, we are experiencing this time of separation. We've all been given certain talents. Now, the word talent in our passage is a word that actually means large sums of money. It was a, it was a form of monetary system. But uh, it's interesting, and I told our, our growth group today that uh, it is interesting that it translates very well for us when we think of talents, we think of abilities, not necessarily money. But I think that this is what it alludes to. It talks about uh, what ability has God given to you? What opportunity has God given to you? What... Uh, uh, what uh, uh, opportunity, what uh, uh, um, uh, freedom uh, has God given to you? What gifts, such as the word of God? He's given us all kinds of things. The freedom of religion is a gift that God has given to us where it allows us to be able to do something that others in India and uh, you know Saudi Arabia and some of the other countries, they don't have that luxury. 
If you had these things and you were caught with them in Iran, uh, there would be great punishments. And so it's much more difficult than it is here. We have the word of God readily available. So that is a gift that God has given to us. And what are you going to do with it? Uh, You have opportunities to uh, have a church service. You have opportunities. How many of you have, uh, how many of you, your parents were followers of Christ and they were believers? Raise your hand high. My mom or my dad or both. Woo! You know what God's given to you? God's given to you a Christian heritage. And that is a gift that some in this room do not have. Never were raised around Christianity. We're not introduced to these things. Didn't have that influence. You've been given that influence. Guess what? That is a gift that God has given to you that you could take and then run with that thing. And so uh, very, very important uh, to realize that. And so uh, many of you have abilities and gifts and talents that you could see very easily can uh, be used for the furtherance of the kingdom of God so that he could uh, give those things uh, to you. And by the way, did, that, did the master give the, the servants those talents so uh, for, their, their, for them? Was it for them? No. Even the talents that, they, that were given to him, is very clear, did not belong to them. Oh yeah, he gave one five talents, and he gave the other two talents, and he gave the other one one talent, but it did not belong to them. It, it always belongs back to the master. And it was understood. And every bit of gain that is, uh, that is realized uh, from the investments, does not the gain does not belong to the servant either, does it? It belongs all to the master, right? And for his kingdom and for his furtherance. And so uh, when God gives you a talent uh, to sing or to witness, if you have leadership abilities, some of you uh, are the most gregarious people I know. You are comfortable in situations and around people that I am very uncomfortable with. And I look at you and I marvel at your abilities uh, to speak to certain kinds of people. You can talk to people I can't. Guess what? That's a gift that God gave to you. And I look at it and I, I could never do that. And I'm thankful that you've got that. So what we have to do is realize this is a gift from God. It does not belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. And yet we look today, listen, and this is a real problem because uh, whether it's mechanical abilities, whether it's an artistic talent that you have, whatever that gift is, is that God has given that gift to you for the furtherance of his kingdom in some way. And maybe you have to use it in a secular way to make a living, but also realize that, you know what, God gave that to you, and maybe you could use that for his kingdom and for the furtherance of his cause if you will. And so uh, that's what we're supposed to do. Listen, we, we have a world today that we see entertainers all over the place. Every time you turn on, and they have plenty of them, they have Academy Awards, they have the Emmys, the Grammys, and all these kind of things. These people that strut up there because they've made a movie or they've had a hit song or whatever, we, you would be amazed at how many of these people started when singing in Patch the Pirate. Singing in a little choir in church. That's how they got their start. And we could name some names today. Uh, Katy Perry, who sings that uh, song, you know, the, these songs. And I don't even know these songs, but uh, it's, what is that one song? Like, March Like a Lion or something like that? Roar Like a Lion. Yeah. Guess what? Little Katy Perry started out in church. Brad Pitt, you know, he's a big movie star and everything. He started off in a Baptist church. That's how he grew up, in a Baptist church. And he would do plays in the Baptist church. 
And he would, that's how he got his start. Whitney Houston got her start in uh, singing in church. Denzel Washington, he was the son of a preacher. He was a PK. That's exactly who he was. And you think about these abilities. Scientists have actually uh, discovered that many kids who grow up in church uh, actually have a more positive outlook on life. And uh, they, uh, uh, they uh, begin to grow uh, artistically better uh, statistically than those who grow up outside of church. When you grow up inside of church and you have the opportunity to do a play or you sing for the Lord, you do these different things, it ignites something within them. And so Denzel Washington was the son of a uh, preacher. Martin Scorsese grew up in, in church. Um, Faith Hill uh, was, uh, grew up in a Baptist church singing every week. Jessica Simpson uh, grew up in a Baptist church. Usher, uh, which some of, you, some of you think, we have an usher. Is that who you're talking about? No, believe me, it's, a, it's another guy. I don't know who he is either, but he grew up in church. Anyway, there's a long list uh, of people that many people who know the entertainment world, they stand up there and they, you know, they thank their producer and they thank uh, all of these things for this golden statue they have in their hand. When in reality, what they need to be doing is thanking God that God gave them that ability to sing or to act or to do whatever they want to do or, or whatever they do because they have a supernatural gift that God gave to them. What they don't realize is, is yes, it's very lucrative to turn it loose in a secular way. And I'm not saying that every secular avenue is necessarily horrible, but I am saying that many of them have totally forgot the roots and who gave them that gift. And now they use it only to make money and they've forgotten the God that they had. Here's what I'm saying is that one day, uh, as I will give an account for the gifts God gave me, these, Katy Perry will stand before the Lord and he'll say, you know, I happen to give you a beautiful voice. Would you let me know what you did with that for my kingdom? And I don't, want, I don't care about statues that you might have. I don't care about awards. I don't care about golden records that you might have. I care about what you do for my kingdom. And there will be an accounting uh, given one day because of that. And so, uh, and we will be judged on the basis of what uh, we did with those uh, gifts and how we use them. And so, uh, if you have freedom, if you have health, there are a lot of people who have no health and yet they've used what little health they have for the cause of Christ. How glorifying do you think that is for the Lord? And yet many of us who have the two feet, we don't have a doctor that we don't, how many of you have a doctor's visit that you have to go to this week? I know some of you do. Many of you are going, you know what, I'm feeling pretty good right now. Listen, there's a lot of people that they worry about their health all the time. And yet we have good health. Guess what? That's a gift God gave to you as an opportunity to do something uh, for the Lord. And so uh, if, if you have uh, mental abilities and you have Christian parents to lean on, if you have a church that preaches the truth, and if you have maybe a Christian education, if you have musical abilities, uh, it's time we need to... Blow those gifts off a little bit, shine them up a little bit, and begin using them for the cause of Christ. And begin uh, carrying a track in our pocket and uh, uh, getting ready to share the gospel of Christ. We're so brave and we're so gregarious about everything else. How, how about saying a word occasionally about your faith, about how Christ has done something good for you? Let everyone that you're around know that Christ is uh, your Lord and your Savior. And be a representative of his 
and say, I belong to Christ. If I've changed away from any bad habit that I've possibly ever had, I used to cuss, I used to swear, I used to, uh, I, I, I used to use all my money for drinking, I used to use all my money for smoking and habits and all kinds of stuff, and now I just give God the glory for every gift he's given to me, and I don't do that stuff anymore, and uh, I want to be a, a good child of God, a good representative of Jesus Christ, because I believe this is a gift that he's given to me. The Bible says this, uh, for you Americans and for us who, who have certain talents and abilities, and maybe you're starting to think of some of the things God's given to you. Listen, he says in Luke chapter 12 and verse number 48, he says, For unto whomsoever, whomsoever much is given, much is required. He said, oh, uh, I'm not, uh, the Lord's going to say, well, that's all I did. And he, nope, I'm not quite done. I did give you this gift. What would you do with that gift? Oh, and I gave you this gift over here. What would you do with that gift? And so uh, the questioning will happen, and it will go on. And so um, uh, no one uh, knows uh, how uh, this moment will uh, turn out, but we do know that this uh, particular moment is uh, going. So here's, here's the point today, is that you're on duty. If you have a gift that God has given to you, first of all, I guess you need to find out what that gift is that God's given to you. And then uh, if you have a gift, you have to realize uh, is your master here? No, he's not. So guess what? You're on duty. And uh, you have a responsibility to begin using that gift uh, for the furtherance of his, his kingdom. And uh, so if you're at the airport, you're on duty. If you're out to eat and you've got a little waitress uh, that's coming up, uh, you're on duty. Uh, if you're at work and uh, certain people are having problems in their life, you're on duty uh, to stand up and say something. And it should bother you. If you miss those opportunities, I was talking to my wife just the other day and uh, she had an opportunity to uh, witness to somebody while she was away and uh, it really did bother her. And uh, there are two poignant moments in her life. And uh, this was the second one as we were talking about this. And she goes, we were talked about this and this and this. And she goes, I cannot believe it. I, I, that was, he, she says, God just gave me this softball, just lobbing that thing up. It was just perfect. The conversation went right around to it, and uh, she let that opportunity go by. And so uh, it is a poignant moment for you and me and all of us to realize, I'm on duty. My master's gone. He's given me some stuff, and I'm on duty to do something uh, for the cause of Christ. If I'm at work, I'm on duty. If I'm with my family, I'm on duty. And I am to use the gifts that God has given to me uh, for his... Uh, so this is the focus. There is a, uh, a lot of focus on this. By the way, can I say something I notice as I'm studying the Word of God? Not only Matthew 25, the first part of this, uh, the, the second part of this, uh, but also the first part. Now, we're, we, we won't get into the first part, part, and I forbid you to read it right at this moment. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. Um, but it's another parable. It's the parable of the, um, of the ten virgins with the lamp oil. And some of them had oil in their lamp and the others did not. And many of you are familiar with this parable. And what is the, what is the message there? It's your responsibility to make sure you're ready for the master or for the bridegroom when he comes. You're supposed to have the oil in there. Last week we talked about what? We talked about the prodigal. It was his responsibility for it to come to him 
I'm an idiot for doing what I did to my father. It's my responsibility to come back to the father to repent of those things, and then I'll become a servant. And we know how that turned out a little different than what he thought. But it was his responsibility to come to himself, to repent of that thing, and to get back to uh, where he knows he's supposed to be. It's the responsibility of the virgins to have the oil in the lamp. That's a picture of salvation itself, with the Holy Spirit being the oil, the lamp being salvation itself. But uh, it's your responsibility to be ready for when the, when the, uh, the uh, bridegroom comes. And then in our passage today, it's your responsibility to find out what the gifts are while the master's gone and use those gifts for the furtherance of his kingdom. Here's what I'm finding over and over as I'm studying scripture. I've got some responsibility. It's not just a matter of making a decision. I'm going to serve Christ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose Christ. I'm going to get saved. And then I have nothing to do. I have responsibilities in this thing. And God wants something from me as well. And so we find that uh, the responsibilities are uh, very evident. Here's another thing that we find from this, and I'll bring it up one more time. And that is that if you have a talent, and you know that God has given you a certain talent, and you refuse to use that thing, just like it was, it looked like it was re rebellion in the heart of that servant who had the one talent. I know you're a hard man. I know that you gather where you have not strawn. I know that, uh, you know, you're a tough guy. And so I was afraid, and so I dug it into the earth, and I buried it. And here's your stinking talent back again. Just like it was rebellion in the heart of that servant in the parable, I believe that there is some sort of form of rebellion in our heart, too, when God gives us abilities to do something and we refuse to do it. And so... Uh, is this a pointed message? I believe it really is, and I believe it's a good one from the, from the Savior, that I'm not to be boring my way through life. I, I'm not to be uh, resting on my laurels, just waiting for the eastern sky to split open to where it's all over. We have to realize I'm, I'm here to do something, and I want to be responsible with the talents that God has given to me. And so here's what we need to do. We need to pray every day, Lord, help me see what my talents are. God, would you show me what my talents are? Would you show me those opportunities and make them crystal clear because I'm kind of dumb. I'm not rebellious, but I am kind of blind and deaf. And, and uh, would you just make them clear to me and urge me to begin using those things? Lord, help me to see the talents. Lord, and by the way, and I mentioned this in my group, and you're saying, well, how do I know what the talents are and how do I keep on top of this thing? Here's how you keep on top of it. Why don't you thank God every day for the talents he's given to you? When, you? when it comes to your mind what it is that you have the ability to do, why don't you say thank you, Lord, that you've given me this ease of talking to people or you've given me this ability to pray to you and feel so comfortable in being a prayer warrior for, for others. Thank you for giving me a, a compassion in my heart so that I can help those who are in need. And I know some people don't have that, but I've got it. I've got it with spades. And, uh, and I really do like helping people. And so thank you for giving me that understanding, that ability to see that. And help me to be mindful of this talent constantly. And when you give me that opportunity, help me to do it. Why don't you just say, Lord, help me to use my talents today. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, if, you, if there's an opportunity, you give something my way. You give me the green light. You give me the ability. Help me to step forward and to do something for you and uh, to do it for your honor and your glory. Lord, help me to use these talents 
for the furtherance of your kingdom. Don't let me get caught and sidetracked like some where I use the talent for my kingdom. I want to use it for your kingdom and for your glory and for your honor. And so I just say to you, Lighthouse Baptist Church, if there are some singers here today, and I say this with a smile on my face, you need to blow off the dust and you need to say, you know what, I'm going to surrender to to doing that. There are some of you who are compassionate of heart and you need to keep your eyes open and ready for the Lord. Ask God to send someone to you that you can be a blessing to because you're an encourager. There are some of you who are prayer warriors and you have, uh, you're very consistent, you're very diligent about praying. Why don't you get on your knees and begin asking God uh, to send somebody that you can pray for? Some of you are teachers and you have the ability to share what's happened in your heart and your life with others. And you're an influencer. Why don't you start using that influence for God's glory and for his kingdom? And some of you have the spirit of volunteerism where you say, I want to be used and would you uh, use me in some way? Show me in some way that I could begin uh, to be a part. And guess what? When God begins using you, you're now using your talents. They're being multiplied. And guess what? One day when you meet the Lord, he will say, I gave you this talent to do this. What did you do with it? And you will have an answer uh, of what you are going to be able to say when the Lord says these things. And it will be worth it all. I like that song, only one life to live, only, uh, only what's done for Christ will last, right? And uh, I, I love that song. I looked it up in our songbook, and it's not in there, so I don't know all the words, but uh, you know that song. Um, only one chance to do his will. So live for Jesus while you may. It's the only life that pays uh, when we live for Christ. Amen? Amen. So what is your gifts? Begin praying for it, begin praising God for it, and begin asking him, show me the opportunity to use my gifts for you so that your, your kingdom will be furthered through the gifts that you've given to me. Maybe some of you need to give them back to the Lord. Maybe you've taken those things and said, hey, they're mine. They're not yours. They've been loaned to you for a reason. Amen? Let's do something for the Lord today. Amen? Let's all stand if you would. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for the blessings of this day. Thank you, Lord, for the teaching in uh, Matthew 25. And I appreciate, Lord, you teaching us these things. And, and we look at this as, a, as really as a very literal moment that we will spend before you. And one of the things that are addressed uh, fairly quickly is uh, what, how we spend our life. And so uh, I know that this is not necessarily an entrance exam of how do you get to heaven or not. But uh, that's dealt with with salvation and forgiveness of sins. But um, when we deal with uh, the, the uh, gifts that you've given to us, Father, I pray that uh, the heart of the people that are here will say, Lord, you've given me these gifts, and I want to begin using them for your honor and your glory. Help me to know and have opportunities to use these things for you. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would hear these prayers coming up all over the auditorium today. And maybe someone wants to pray that prayer to the Lord today and say, Lord, thank you for the gifts that you've given to me. Thank you for the talents. And in your absence, help me, Father, to use them for the furtherance of your kingdom. Help me to do it for your honor and your glory. And if I can help in a little way, in some way, help me to do it. If you want me to 
uh, do something big for you, I'll do it. If you want me to step out by faith and do something, help me, Lord, to know what to do. And uh, so, Father, I pray that you would hear the prayers from all over this room that says, Lord, use me and um, help me to refine the talents and the gifts that you've given to me that might increase uh, your kingdom for your glory, for your honor, uh, for the praise of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that on that day that I stand before you, I'll be able to say this is what was done. Father, uh, help me to resist the, the spirit of rebellion that wants to just bury it and say, I'm too shy, I'm, I, I, I don't think I can do it. And really the spirit of rebellion that says, I don't care about what happens in your kingdom. Help us to resist that rebellious spirit. But instead, Father, help us to begin investing today for your honor and your glory. Lord, thank you for the gift that you've given and what a privilege it is to be in your service and to thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. May we walk away from here with this perspective today And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one to whom we are waiting to hear from. We can't wait till you come back to us, Father. But, Father, more than that, we ask, Lord, that we'd be prepared for that day. And may you be pleased with our lives, starting today. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Said to bow, and eyes are closed to you this uh, today. Why not sing that song to the Lord today? All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. Maybe the Lord's worked on your heart and you feel uh, strong enough that you want to just bow your head right there in your seat and ask God to help you in this area. Maybe to ask God to forgive you in this area. And you know what? Maybe there's some folks that would like to come to an old-fashioned altar and just kneel down before the Lord and say, Lord, I want you to know that I appreciate the gifts you've given to me and I want to start using them better starting today. Whatever the need is today, our invitation song is All to Jesus I Surrender. Would you sing it?
Father in heaven, I don't know that there's a more beautiful uh, song to sing if we sing it from our heart uh, than a child, a servant of yours, to say, Lord, I surrender everything to you. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless our church. Father, this is not easy for us uh, to, we have so many things that can distract us, so many pressures in life uh, that can get us off target of what you want us. But thanks for this reminder today of what you want from us. And I pray, Lord, that you would use us greatly in some particular way. Whatever the job is you need to have done, whatever, however you can use us with the abilities you've given to us and the opportunities, I pray you'd do it. Thank you, Lord, for these good people today. Thanks for teaching us today. And Father, may we apply this to our heart throughout this week and throughout the rest of our life. And we thank you, Lord, for the heads up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Tonight is service at 6 o'clock. We'd love to have you. Uh, Come on out. Uh, Until then, live for the Lord and use those talents. Amen. Amen.